The following message is brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church and Pastor Mark Ermler. Second Chronicles chapter number 33, and I have looked forward to being able to preach the latter end of this chapter because this is a chapter that is the most amazing to me of all the prodigal stories in the Old Testament. Now, I... I uh, I know Jonah is a pretty impressive story, and it's kind of hard to, to top the story of Jonah. But this story of Manasseh is one where God reaches down into the heart of the most despicable, vile sinner that not only enjoyed sin, practiced sin, lived in sin, but encouraged others to sin as well. That our God reached down into Manasseh's life and brought him back from the severe consequences of his rebellion against God. Now, God doesn't always do that. You know, sometimes uh, when we rebel against God and we go our way and then we have to live with the consequences of those decisions, they don't always go away. I hope you understand that. Sometimes there are consequences that we'll live with until we go home to heaven. But in this case, Manasseh was taken into captivity all the way to Babylon, the Bible says. And there, as he is a captive in Babylon, he cries out to the Lord. He repents. Everything that his father believed, he embraced. Remember, he was the young rebel, the 12-year-old, that said, I want nothing to do with the faith of my father. I want nothing to do with the Bible. I want nothing to do with Jehovah God. I am going to live for me. And it wasn't long before he found himself really the slave to uh, witchcraft, uh, sorcery. He found himself involved in all kinds of pagan rituals, including the sacrifice of his very own flesh and blood, his own children to the pagan deities. Matter of fact, he got rid of the uh, altar in the temple and he brought in pagan altars and pagan idols and now they're filling both courts in uh, the Holy of Holies you have now uh, these pagan idols. And so as dark a life as Manasseh lived, the truth is God reached down into his heart and changed it for God's glory. Let me tell you something, God's still in that business. Don't ever think someone is too far gone for God's arm to reach them. God has a long arm. And God can reach them where they are. Never stop praying for that child. Never stop praying here for your grandchildren. Never stop praying here for that sibling, that loved one that that is in your life, that is far from God today. Listen, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ask or think. And we just have to trust that God. Now, here in Second Chronicles chapter number 33, I want to pick it up in verse number 10. And I want you to see this verse because it really lends itself as an introduction into the passage this morning. The Bible says, And the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. Now let me tell you something. There's one of two ways to come to God. Number one, you're going to come to God simply the easy way, or you're going to come to God the hard way. Now the easy way is preferable. The easy way is when God speaks in His Word, you just surrender and you say, that's truth. 
I believe that. I'm going to surrender here to that truth. Many of our young people have grown up in church and at a very young age they come to a place where they want to trust Jesus Christ as their only Savior. And so there's that invitation for them to come. They hear the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They not just, don't just hear it, but then they believe it. And, and as they believe this gospel, as J- Romans 10 says, they obey the gospel. They submit themselves here to uh, the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross and shedding his precious blood for their personal sin. And God saves their heart. That's the preferred way to come to God. You hear the word of God. You respond. And uh, uh, you give yourself to the Lord. You let Him take your sin and you take His righteousness. That's the preferred way. That's what I want to call this morning the easy way. That's why we have families here that want their children under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God because they want them to respond. We've got families that have teenagers that are here in this church. Why? Because we, they're praying that their young people will respond to the Word of God. That's the easy way. Now, if that way is ignored, like verse 10 says, and the Lord spake to Manasseh and to his people, but they would not hearken. If there is a rejection of the truth, if there is a rejection of the word of God, if there is here in the heart of that person where they want nothing to do with what God has to say, well, then we see that God sometimes has to deal with them, not with just the truth, and they're responding to the truth, but he deals with them uh, with terror and with thorns. And that's really what we have in the very next verse, verse number 11. Wherefore, okay, based on their rejecting the truth. By the way, it's a dangerous thing to reject truth. It's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing for us to open up the word of God and have God speak to us and us ignore God's word. It's dangerous. And and so the easy way is for us, even as we're here this morning, just to allow the Word of God to penetrate our heart and surrender ourselves to the God of this book that gives us instructions on how we should live. That's the easy way. But if we refuse, if we go our own way, if we decide that I know better than God knows, then God has to add this little wherefore. Verse 11. Whenever you see that here in the context, you're looking at there's consequences coming. All right, there's, there, there's now the end to the choice that was just made. And so here God tells us, wherefore the Lord brought upon them the captains of the host of the king of Assyria, which took Manasseh among the thorns and bound him with fetters and carried him to Babylon. We're going to come to God the easy way, the hard way. We're going to come to God here because the truth is proclaimed and we surrender the truth. Or we're going to come to God, if you ever come to God, the hard way. I'm going to tell you here this morning, not everyone comes to God. Some people here, uh, they are given the truth, they reject the truth. And tonight or this morning, they're in hell, separated from God for all eternity because of that decision. But... Listen, every person that's ever been born again has come one of these two ways. 
You've come simply because in childlike faith you've yielded to God because he said so. He said he'd save your soul. He said he'd wash you clean. He invited you to come. And you did. And he, 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 he took you off that uh, broad road and placed you on that narrow road that leads to life everlasting. What a wonderful day that was. What a glorious, glorious day that was. Some of you maybe came kicking and screaming. Some of you came the hard way. Some of you came here because you heard the truth, but you rejected the truth. You pushed it aside, and God wouldn't let you go. And then God brought this thing into your life, and God brought that thing into your life, and God reminded you that He is God, and, and, and that His way is the only way. And maybe you went through some difficulty or hardships, but somewhere along the line, there was a yielding now to this God. Uh, he, he found you in the thorns, like Manasseh. He found you literally, that's the briar patch. He found you there in that place where you were hiding and thinking that you could preserve your life and yet the captains of the Assyrians, they're going to find you out. And it's not going to get better, it's going to get worse. And, and he's shackled and uh, he's put in fetters and he's taken off to the land of Babylon according to verse number 11. And we see here that uh, God is desiring for us to see how desperately he wants to reach into our hearts and, and, and bring us to himself. I want to pray and we're going to jump right into that first point. But let's just ask God's help here as we open our ears to his precious word. God, we need to have ears that hear this morning. Lord, I want to just allow you to use me as an instrument, as a vessel today. Lord, help me to speak your word and in the way that it needs to be spoken. Not the way that I feel it should be spoken, but God, you help me. You guide my thoughts. You guide my lips, my mind. And God, I ask that your word, which is truth, would find its way into our hearts and that we would respond correctly and that, God, you would get glory. We pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Number one, let's look at a penitent rebel. A penitent rebel. We've seen the introduction in 10-11. Let's go right into verse number 12. And I want us to see how God is able to reach the lowest for his glory. By, by the way, whenever God reaches that person whose life you look at and you say, well, what a horrible life and what a, what a horrible person and what a, what, what a, what a horrible example. Listen, Always rejoice at that trophy, that trophy of grace, that God redeemed that individual from the pit. Why? Because it seems like those that are farthest away from God in their rebellion, when they come to know the Lord, they have such a deep, deep love for the Lord. And uh, there's such a testimony and there's such a light. And, and, and it's such a blessing that God can save to the uttermost. That God can reach us where we are. Never look at people like that and just say, well, they, they shouldn't go to heaven. They shouldn't be allowed. Here's a guy that practiced human sacrifice. Oh, he shouldn't have an opportunity to get right with God. I'm glad God's God and you're not God. Because <laughs> God's a God of mercy and God's a God of love and God is a God of compassion. And God's seeking here to reach out to everyone. He died for the entire world. 
every creature, and all that we would recognize that heart of God. And so it begins now in Second Chronicles 33, verse number 12, with a penitent rebel. Notice finally, God gets a hold of him. Verse number 12, wherefore, uh, verse 12, and when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God. And humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. Quickly, the penitent rebel. The power of God's judgment. Young person, don't think that you can get away with running from God. Don't think you can be a Jonah and escape the whale. Don't think you can live the life of a Manasseh and not have the briar patch waiting for you. Or have the shackles waiting for you. We cannot... Sin in a vacuum. God sees all. God knows all. And it's not going to get easier. It's going to get a whole lot worse. God's word verifies it time and time and time again. So we see the penitent rebel. Oh, God does have the power to judge and judge severely. Is that what he wanted? No. He sent the prophets to preach the word. He desired through the preaching of the word to grab the heart. That's his plan. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how God wants to accomplish his work. That's why you have to pray for every service. You've got to pray for everyone that comes into this building. You have no idea where they are in their spiritual life or if they even have a spiritual life. They, they, they may be aimless and wandering and, wandering and broken. And God may use that message that morning to penetrate their heart and their mind. And we've got to pray for the preaching of the Word of God. How are they going to come unless they hear? How will they hear unless the preacher preaches? How will the preacher preach unless he's sent? Oh, God has a plan and it's the Word of God penetrating the heart that's able to break it. And that's God's preferred way. That's how He wants to. But if we rebel, God's way is in wrath. The power of God's judgment. The word there is afflicted in verse number 12. And my Manasseh learned a little bit about affliction. Ah, it was not easy. He went from being the king, the rebel king, to now he's nothing more than a common criminal or slave. He, he went from every whim he ever had being satisfied to now he finds himself in shackles uh, behind uh, some camel or donkey being dragged off to Babylon. How far the mighty have fallen. And Manasseh now simply in his affliction, the Bible says here, uh, verse 12, and when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord. Can I tell you something? Some of us as grandparents and parents, we want to protect our children and our grandchildren so bad. We don't want them to experience anything uh, uh, uncomfortable. And we don't realize that sometimes that's the only way God's going to reach them. Sometimes God has to do some breaking. Sometimes God has to uh, scramble the egg. Sometimes God's got to maneuver into their life to make it uncomfortable for them. And we're ready to get them off the hook. We're, we're, we're enablers, and we're ready to make it so easy for them to continue in sin. Listen, when God's working in their life, let God work in their life. 
when God's doing some pruning and shaking, and, and God's bringing them to a place where they're in this great affliction, here comes mom and dad to save the day. Be spirit-led. Take that to the Lord. Ask God if you should intervene. Ask God if you should help. Uh, there are some that have come for counsel about relatives and those that they're helping. And, you know, at a certain point, you've got to recognize that we're going to stop being en- enablers of wickedness and we're just going to let God do His work in their life to break them and bring them back to Him. So be spirit-filled, spirit-led. When it comes to those like Manasseh that's going through his briar patch, that's going through the thorns, that's going through the difficulties of life, God has power. He can reach into Manasseh's life and he can make it so difficult he's got no option but to turn to the Lord. How, how, I'm, I'm just going to say it. Sometimes we prolong the agony because of our intervention. Sometimes we just facilitate to the point that it just goes on and on and on and on and on instead of just let God do what God's going to do. He's better at it than you are. He's better at it than I am. And oh, when Manasseh finally got to the end of his rope, then he turned to the Lord. And I'm afraid there's a lot of people not turning to the Lord because they quite are not there yet. And so, let's just pray, God, give me wisdom in this. He wouldn't respond to the Word of God. He wouldn't respond to the counsel uh, that he received. He wouldn't respond to the prophets when they preached the Word of God. He wouldn't respond uh, until God broke him. The power of God's judgment. The proud king is now humbled. Now, here's the thought, too. There's two ways to get humbled. One, it's voluntary. And the second is God does the humbling, right? I I mean, it's either we humble ourselves before God or God has a way to humble us. And and so the better way is for us to do that voluntarily. Now, I wish Manasseh would have learned that just a little bit before this verse. (laughs) You know, if Manasseh would have humbled himself before, he wouldn't have had the captains of Assyria coming into his realm. He wouldn't have been hiding in the thorn patch. He wouldn't have been shackled and dragged off to Babylon. That wouldn't have had to be. But it was because of a refusal to humble. But I'm glad he humbled now. Right? I'm just glad he now humbled himself. I'm glad now he is humble before God. And the Bible says that proud king is humbled. Again, verse 12, And when he was in affliction, he besought the Lord his God and humbled himself, I like that word, greatly, before the God of his fathers. I I, I think the word greatly is there because he has a recognition of how greatly he was a sinner before God. I think he, he came to full awareness. I've led my whole nation into rebellion against God. My dad led our whole nation into revival, and I led my whole nation into rebellion. And I'm the one accountable for that. I wonder how much remorse flooded through his heart as he realized it was his babies he was offering up to the pagan gods. It was his babies that rolled into the furnace of fire. In the sacrifice, it was, it was his flesh and blood that he gave voluntarily up to these pagan gods that were not God. And all of this is flooding back and now he's humbling himself. Not just a token humbling, but he's humbling himself greatly. 
And you and I, we, we don't know the depths of the tears and the heartache and the heartbreak that Manasseh goes through in this moment. But he is penitent. And his prayer, now according to verse number 13, is going to get the ear of God. Look at it. Verse 13, verse 1. And prayed unto him. And prayed unto him. He besought the Lord. He's afflicted. He besought the Lord his God, humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers, and he prayed. That is humbling, isn't it? When all your life you said, my dad doesn't know anything. He's wrong. He's got a wrong God. He's got a wrong set of worship. He's got a wrong set of priorities. He's all mixed up. Not in this moment. In this moment, it's the God of his father. In this moment, it's dad was right, I was wrong. Dad was leading for revival. I was leading for rebellion. I, I, I was destroying my nation. Just brick by brick, I was destroying it. I am, I am the reason that this is all falling apart. I'm the reason that we're captives now, headed to Babylon. It, it falls on my shoulders. And Manasseh realizes this, so his only recourse is that I'm going to pray. You know, sometimes that's the best resource. I'm just going to pray. You say, what do I do? What do I do, pastor? Let's just pray. But, but, but God, it's, 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 it's tragic. It's difficult. It's hard. Let's pray. And we see here in the prayer of repentance that God gets Manasseh's ear. Number one, a penitent rebel. Number two, a prodigal is restored. I love this. I love it. I love the fact that God is able. I love the fact that God can transform lives no matter how dark and deep into sin. I'm glad that God is able to reach in and wash them clean. I'm glad that God here uh, has an ear that's tuned to that penitent cry. And the Bible tells us in this verse, and prayed unto him, that's unto God, and he was entreated of him and heard his supplication. On the prodigal restored, first of all, we see God acknowledged his prayer of repentance. He acknowledged it. That's a blessing. You know, sometimes you pray and you wonder if your prayers are being heard. Well, the Bible says that God acknowledged. He saw the humility. He saw the great humility. He saw what you and I can't see. He can see the heart. He saw the brokenness. I'm sure he saw and heard the tears of old Manasseh. He, he said, I didn't want to do it this way, Manasseh. I really didn't. I sent the prophets. I had them speak the word. All I wanted you to do was just surrender to my word. That's how I wanted to do it. I didn't, I didn't want to take you to the briar patch. I didn't want you to be bound in fetters. I didn't want to have to drag you to Babylon. That's not my will. That's not what I wanted. If only you would have opened your ears to the Word of God and just submitted then, just humbled yourself then, oh, what we could have avoided. Listen, that's all of our lives, isn't it? Think back in your life. When you've struggled in your walk with the Lord, it always comes back to that, doesn't it? God spoke to me and I just didn't listen. God's word was clear, but I thought I knew better. And every time we get into the trouble we get into that causes us to want to cry out to God, it's self-inflicted. 
It's just we're not paying attention to what God says and doing what God says. And so the prodigal is restored. First God acknowledges and then God answers his prayer. The Bible says God is hearing his prayer in verse 13. And he prayed unto him and he was entreated of him and heard his supplication. There is a prayer that God will hear. It's the prayer of the broken and the humbled. And he'll listen. He said, I need to get a hold of God. Why don't you humble yourself before God? Oh, I need God in a big way in this situation. Let God break you. Let, let God allow you to be the penitent one. The one seeking repentance. The one entreating. That word entreating is very interesting. It has to do with mediating and and it has to do here with uh, uh, begging, maybe even on someone else's behalf, entreating. Here Manasseh is entreating on his own behalf. And God's responding to that. He's listening. And oh, God answers that prayer and God allows Manasseh to return home because that's what the Bible says. And heard a supplication and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Now that's a miracle. That's, that's a big time miracle. There is God uh, restoring what Joel says the locusts have destroyed. I've gone to that passage often. I'm thinking, hey, but the locusts have come through. They've already destroyed it. That's the consequence. I'm, I'm living it. But God says he can restore the years. <laughs> I can't. I can't go back in time. I can't make good what was bad. But God's God. God's bigger than you are. God's able to restore the years that the locusts have stolen. And, and God is able to do what you and I are incapable of doing. And so number three, let's look at a personal recognition. Verse 13, would you look at the end of the verse? And the Bible says, Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, notice it's all capital, L-O-R-D, He was God. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord, he was God. A personal recognition. Several things here. Number one, it's powerful. It's life-changing. Then, 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 after the repentance, after his great humility before God, after his prayer, his supplication, God answers. And it reconfirms the fact that, God, you are real. God, you are merciful. God, you are all-powerful. God, you can do what man cannot do. I, I don't know what must have gone on in Manasseh's head and mind when he first heard the word, by the way, we're letting you go back to Jerusalem. <laughs> you're what? Yeah, and we think we, we're going to put you back on the throne. You're You're what? Yeah, and we're going to let you here uh, be freed from your fetters and have that authority once again over your reign. Uh, the Assyrian rulers uh, had come to that conclusion by the prompting of God to do what Manasseh in himself could never do. A powerful recognition, a personal recognition. Manasseh personally saw God in a real way. And it was beyond just personal. It also became public because 
He's not keeping this to himself. When he gets back on the throne, verse 16, the latter end of that verse, he commands Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. So this has gone from a a personal repentance and a personal getting right with God to now uh, it has become very public where he's desiring others to come back to the Lord as well. Penitent rebel prodigal is restored personal recognition god's real he he can do anything he's great he's powerful Uh, he's merciful he'll forgive as far as the east is from the west so far will he remove our transgressions from him his sin uh, he'll remember no more what a great god and now we see this protective resolve of manasseh verse number 14 What is his heart occupied as he gets back to Jerusalem? What's he going to do? He's now the king. Verse 14 says, Now after this he built a wall without the city of David on the west side of Gihon in the valley, even to the entering in at the fish gate, and compassed about Ophel, and raised it up a very great height, and put captains of war in all the fenced cities of Judah, Just a little observation here, but there is a protective resolve that's in his heart no longer, that destructive bent of being a rebel, being disobedient, being involved in in, in the occult. You don't read anything on Manasseh's life concerning him building anything, doing anything, uh, protecting his people, building an army, none of that in his whole time in his old life. You know what it's all about? It's all about what I get. It's all about what I want. It's it's all about the paganism and how that makes me feel. It's it's all about undoing what my dad did and doing what I want to do. That's what life was. And, And there's no hint that Manasseh had a heart for his people in any regard. No hint of it. No hint of protection. No hint of, of, of securing walls, protecting against armies like the Assyrians. It's not on his radar. But now that he's right with God, he's not thinking about himself all the time. And so his heart goes to protecting first the city. That's his focus. Then the citizens. He's fortifying the walls. He's building them even higher. And then the captains. He's desiring to find individuals that he can place into uh, authority uh, as far as developing and arming and having captains over his people. All of that is in verse number 14, a protective resolve. Listen, when you get your heart right with God, it's not about you anymore. When you come back to God, it's all about protecting others from Satan's assault in their life. That's why so many that just come to know the Lord all of a sudden are such vibrant witnesses. Because they want other folks to receive what they received. They want other folks here to come to know Christ as their Savior. They don't want their friends and relatives to be in bondage, in slavery. They want them free. They want them set free. And so they're evangels uh, going forth, desiring here to allow others uh, to hear the gospel. There's a protective nature about them. All of a sudden, they're thinking about family and friends and co-workers. And this is the heart of Manasseh here, this protective resolve. Number five, there's a purging and repairing. These are the two verses, 15 and 16. And I want you to see them in, in your scripture. Look down with me. And he took away the strange gods and the idol out of the house of the Lord. 
and all the altars that he had built in the mount of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem and cast them out of the city and he repaired the altar of the Lord. Two things that are going on in this process of purging. You know, when, when God saves you, when he uh, makes you a new creature in Christ, all things have passed what? Away, all things have become new. There's a new walk. Uh, there's there, there's a, a new will. It's not yours. It's now God's will for your life. I mean, there's a new joy. There, there's, there's, there's new purpose in life. And here... Manasseh realizes he's got to do some purging in the land. He's got to get to work at removing those things that became obstacles between people and God. And those things were these pagan idols that are referenced in verse number 15. So we see the removing of the pagan idols, and then the next thought is the removing of the altars. One is the practice of idolatry. The other is the platform that's used to practice all right? He's wanting to rid it, but in order to rid it here, he's got to do more than just remove the stone idols. He's got to do more than just uh, uh, get rid of them. He's got to tear down the altars that were used to sacrifice to those pagan gods, those idols. And let me tell you something. When you get saved, you find this in the New Testament as well, the Old Testament. There are some things that God, the Holy Spirit, is going to tap on your heart and say, hey, get those out of your life. You don't need that anymore. And I have seen some Christians that have hung on to some of that old stuff thinking, but it's too valuable. You know, the Bible talks about in the New Testament bonfires at churches where they got rid of all their curious arts. They didn't pass it along and sell it on eBay, all right, or Craigslist to, to, to get back some of the money. They burned it because they didn't want it to impact other people and hurt other people's spiritual life through their filth that they passed along. I had a friend when I was uh, uh, really growing up that was in the church that I was in. And, and uh, you know, as we grew up and, and uh, I had come to know the Lord, uh, we ended up here um, just still in the same area, not necessarily going to the same church. But I can remember one time um, him at his, at his house uh, really, here, here the, the guy's been going to Bible college, but he had this huge stack, and you're going to, this is going to date me, but it was a stack of records, all right? You don't even know what records are, do you? Uh, but they were a stack of records that he had in his closet. And uh, I'm looking at these records, and I'm saying, what in the world do you want with these things? And, uh, I, I, I mean, you're, you're born again, you're saved, this is your old music. This is the stuff you used to listen to uh, before you knew Jesus Christ as your Savior. And he looked at me and he said, but do you realize how much money I spent to buy all this stuff? And he kept it in his closet. Listen, it's not worth keeping in your closet. It's too easy to go back and reach into that closet and pull that stuff out. And it'll hurt you. It won't help you. Uh, in his life, I think it's hurt him more than it's helped him. I wish I could say he was in the ministry, and I wish I could stay still with his wife, and I wish I could say he was revered by his children, but I can't say any of it. I think when you hang on to something from that old life, and you say, well, I'm, it, it, just, it just is something here that I'm going to keep hidden in my closet. Listen, why don't you just get rid of it? You know what Manasseh did? He got rid of it. 
Manasseh said, I'm just going to uh, tear down the idols. I'm going to just throw them out. I'm just going to tear down the altars. And so there's the removing and then the replacement. You know, we, we talk about in the, a new believer's life that, you know, when you get rid of something, you've got to replace it with something better. All right, the principle of replacement, that's a good principle. This is exactly what he's doing. What's he repairing? Well, the Bible says he's repairing now the altars. Look at verse number 16. And the scripture says, And he repaired the altar of the Lord, sacrificed thereon peace offerings and thank offerings, and commanded Judah to serve the Lord God of Israel. There's a purging that's going on. All right, let's quickly go. Number six. A proper uh, a proper reverence. I want you to look at now at verse number 16, last half of the verse, as we look at this proper reverence that he has. And this has to do with the sacrifice. He's repaired the altar of God, and now we're going to see him offering sacrifices to the Lord. Now this is so interesting because I had to do a little digging myself, and I, 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 I was a little perplexed here because there's all kinds of offerings that you can give to the Lord. First of all, you've got that burnt offering that's every day that's offered up for sin and for trespasses. And I'm thinking, wow, that, that would be one that probably Manasseh would want to do right away as soon as that altar's built. Uh, there was also, after that, the meal offering. And then you had an opportunity for this peace offering and uh, also the, the thanks offering. And this is all laid out here in Leviticus and uh, as I went back to the book of Leviticus and I started doing a little bit of uh, research here uh, into the text, I, I recognize that there's a wonderful, wonderful picture, first of all, of Jesus Christ and all the fulfillment of who he is for me and what he's done for me and giving his life as that uh, sacrifice. And so when I talk about a proper reverence this morning, I talk about that proper sacrifice that was made and we see here Manasseh is going to make that proper sacrifice. But here in 16, the last half of the verse, we see a proper symbol. And the symbol is not for this trespass, but it's really this peace offering. And they're two different things. The peace offering is, is the reconciliation's taken place. The sins are forgiven. You're already clean. That, that, that's been paid in full. The peace offering is a sweet savor offering. This is what God loves. This is this peace offering. And uh, uh, not only the, the peace offering, but it's connected here to a thank offering as well, which is really this thought of gratitude. And the reality here that, boy, I'm just right with God. And peace at all different dynamics. Matter of fact, if you look at the uh, sacrifice and how it was done, the person that was bringing the sacrifice actually had to put the head of that animal, whatever it was, and Leviticus spells out all the different animals you can bring, put it in their head, and the person was to slay that animal. And that animal would be now divvied up. God would get the fat and the kidneys. Uh, reminds me of that famous life verse, Nehemiah, on eat the fat and drink the sweet, you know. That's a good life verse. Eat the fat, drink the sweet. And, uh, and, and the joy of the Lord is my strength. That's the last half of that verse in Nehemiah, actually. But God got the fat. 
that was offered to the Lord. And then Aaron here and those that ministered, they received the shoulder and the breast. And they were used as a wave offering uh, before God. And so this peace offering is really in three parts. And then the one that was bringing the offering, uh, he had one day to devour uh, that offering uh, as this uh, peace thank offering before the Lord. And, and it really shows the fellowship and the harmony and that it's a, a sweet savor offering and, and uh, just really describes Manasseh's life at this point. He's been forgiven. God set him back on a right road. God's given him the throne once again. And there is a proper reverence that he has for the Lord. And then let's close here with this, the power of reconciliation. I want you just to see verse number 18 now. There's a prayer that's going to be highlighted here. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer unto his God and the words of the seers which spake to him in the name of the Lord God of Israel. Behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel. His prayer also and how God was entreated of him and all his sins and his trespass and the places wherein he built high places and set up groves and graven images before he was humbled. Behold, they are written among the sayings of the seers. So Manasseh slept with his fathers and they buried him in his own house. First, I see God is faithful. Entreated of what? All of his sins and his trespasses. God's faithful. You come to the Lord with your sin and he'll give you his righteousness. He'll wash you clean. He'll, he'll bring peace and restore peace again in your heart, in your life. He's faithful. He is a forgiving God. I'm so thankful that when God uh, cleanses us, he cleanses us of all our sin. He forgives us. And what a powerful testimony in the life of Manasseh, of a prodigal that can be restored. But I think, once again, humanity, look at the last half of verse 20. So Manasseh slept with his fathers, and they buried him in his own house, and Ammon, his son, reigned in his stead. Ammon was two and twenty years old when he began to reign, and he reigned two years in Jerusalem. But he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, as did Manasseh's father. For Ammon sacrificed unto all the carved images which Manasseh's father had made, and served them, and humbled not himself before the Lord. So Manasseh, his father, had humbled himself, but Ammon trespassed more and more, and his servants conspired against him and slew him, in his own house. Again, you just shake your head and you go, Boy, Ammon, your dad went through all of that judgment because of his rebellion. Why would you voluntarily go right back into it? And the Bible says he refused to humble himself. And the Bible says his own people in his own house assassinated him a two-year reign because of a rebellion. God is faithful. God is forgiving. Man is foolish. We never learn our lesson. And oh, that God would help us here to come the easy way. Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the teaching and preaching ministry of Crown Point Baptist Church. 
If this message was a blessing to you, please consider leaving us a review or sharing the message on social media. Thanks once again for tuning in.